Hello, everyone. Hello. Um, well, we've got this uh, fascinating opportunity, Natalie and I, to talk about the book that has recently been published called Be a Leader in Nursing, a Practical Guide for Nursing Students, available on Amazon and Elsevier's website and all good bookshops. And uh, I've got Natalie Elia w- with me today. Uh, we'll introduce ourselves. You want to say hi, Natalie? Hi everyone, Um, as Heather said, I'm Natalie Elliott, been absolutely delighted to be part of this opportunity, been so good to see the progress of the book Heather and kind of been able to proofread some chapters for you along the way, so I'm really excited about this and, and what it's going to bring to healthcare professionals, especially students, in becoming a leader. So a little bit about me, I'm a newly registered nurse, I've working in acute cardiology admissions and I've also just finished my honours classification at uni which um, has been a challenge <laughs> but, we w- but we will move on from that. Um, I'm also um, actually editing my own book which um, is due out next year which is on how to be a successful nursing student and that's in conjunction with Teresa Chin who is most people will know from We Communities so that is my busy life at the moment. Oh and um, that's massive <laughs> you're yes, a bit like, a bit I like did, me <laughs> I didn't realize how big a task it was I, I think I was a bit complacent when I said when I'd agree to do it and um, it's brought challenges and it's one what I will guarantee is it's improved my leadership skills massively by taking on this challenge but um, I'm really excited for, for what it's going to provide to the student nurses and across the UK <sighs> Oh, that, that's fantastic. Well, I, I think I'd better introduce myself. Um, I'm Heather <laughs> Henry. I am a registered nurse and a Queen's nurse from Sale in Greater Manchester. And I am a nurse entrepreneur. I keep saying that because I want to encourage other nurse entrepreneurs. Um, I have two businesses. Uh, one seems to be the writing business, which is the one I'm talking to you uh, about. And I write a lot for publication and also books now, it seems. And I also run a small social enterprise called Breath Champs CIC, which helps children, families and communities to learn about breathing in fun and social ways. So um, I'm also pretty, pretty busy. And um, me and Natalie got to know each other, of course, through Twitter, didn't we? (laughs) Is there any other way to meet people in the nursing profession other than Twitter? Um, Yeah, so I was um, involved with We Student Nurses at the time um, and I ran a tweet chat on leadership and which Heather jumped on top of and loved the concept and it was kind of fitted in line with your, your book, didn't it? Well, I thought at 39 years registered, I am 39 years on the register. Oh my God, cannot You must have been it. four when you entered the register, Heather. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course I was. And um, I thought it would be very, very, I was approached by Elsevier to write a book on leadership for nursing students um, because it's part of the proficiencies, uh, the education standards, of course, and um, so I thought it would be very, very impertinent of me um, to write a book uh, as a as a as a practicing nurse leader. But I wasn't in the realm of nursing student life, and therefore I approached We Student Nurse, which you were part of at the time. It's moved on to other leaders now, and then on to RCN Student Committee, and now on to the Nurses in Leadership and Management forum of the RCN so it's a cast of thousands 
to basically co-produce the book. And um, I asked your advice, didn't I? You and you and Joy Agoleman, mm-hmm. didn't I? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. About the whole thing. I don't, what did you say? Do you remember at the time? I think at the time, um, I think we were both kind of blown away at the impact of the tweet chat um, had, but also we were we were always been um, strong advocates for involving the student nurses in decisions and about like materials and things that are produced. I, I feel like what's the point in producing a material if if it's not actually going to be beneficial for nursing students? So for you to actually recognise that as as something that has to be integral to the book was was amazing and I was so so excited to, to be part of it and I, it feels like it was only yesterday but at the same time it feels like so much has happened since <laughs> it was it was my lockdown project so I yeah. have I have not great lungs um long story see breath champs about that and I couldn't really go back into the clinical field and fight the good fight like many did and so uh, this is what this is what I did but my my approach, as as you know, Natalie, is very much an asset based and strengths based approach, um, mm-hmm. which means using the strengths and skills of not just nursing students. Um, it was um, health students because I was advised by the Council of Deans of Health that it's mm-hmm. everything's multidisciplinary, isn't it these days? So there are um, yep. case studies and contributions from a range of students as a result of that. And basically to listen to them, to listen to their stories and and make sure that the guide was practical. That's what you said to me. You wanted it to be practical. Practical, yeah. <laughs> some theory. There is some theory in there. Well, quite a bit. But also examples. And um, they came mm-hmm. from you, Joy, and lots of fantastic health students, health and care students, it's just been um, fantastic and just interviewed you and sat and listened to you really, didn't I? Yeah. And I think what's really struck me is there's a whole like kind of population of people out there that provide so much, but deem themselves as, as just the student, you know, where they, they, they deem themselves as nothing more than just there to learn. But people are making such huge contributions to, to the actual um, health and social cares that the departments that they work in that this book I feel highlights that and showcases that the value that they can bring using that asset-based approach that you've, you've spoken about. I found it incredible uh, the stories I heard from the students about how their strengths and abilities were overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. On many occasions of course they weren't and equally we heard I heard and and you also talked about as students the imposter the the thing Mm -hmm. about being an imposter you know because if you're treated as if you're a student and you know nothing then you start to feel that you don't have a place in Mm -hmm. leadership and Mm -hmm. I I thought we might start there and and uh, you you can talk about your experience or what you've seen amongst the student population around that idea of imposter syndrome yeah, um, I think I was thinking about this earlier on and, and imposter syndrome was something I never knew existed until I, um, I was part of the 150 Leaders Programme that the Council of Deans of Health spoke about. And I remember applying for that. And then when I got the email to say I was successful, I, I just I couldn't believe it. I was I thought, no, that can't be for me because I didn't feel that I merited that opportunity. And then when when we went to the, the residential day, it was it was clear that I wasn't the only person that didn't feel that 
way as if they were they deserved that place as if they were they could possibly be a leader because at the end of the day we were in inverted commas just a student so I think the more recognition that we give around that and the more work that we do on representing students then then we can kind of have greater because we at the end of the day we are going to be the the leaders of the future they're going to be the ones that are working in the NHS and if we can develop those skills from an earlier age or an earlier age an earlier level of education then then we can provide great things I think it was it Dorian that did one for me for the videos that kind of are ancillary products for your book um, and she spoke really eloquently about leadership and imposter syndrome and how it impacts her and I think Lucy Hayes who's heavily involved with the RCN is she the student she's the, yeah she's the current chairman of Chairperson, the RCN. Yeah, yeah yeah and she also spoke about it so I think whilst you know you might feel that you're not good enough I think it's important to recognize that you're not the only one that feels that way but equally you can use it to your advantage and make good things happen I, I think so I mean you've you've talked to me about um recognizing where your particular leadership talents lie that that, that goes on to understanding yourself a, a bit but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even I have that those feelings of even I well like all of my career I've had these feelings of self-doubt, anxiety, that I'm unworthy, I, my my accomplishments are down to luck, found out mm-hmm. as a fraud, all of those things. How, how do you cope with that? Well, I think it's about having open and, conversation, open and honest conversations about it. I mean, hearing you say that shocks me because I think, well, in my eyes, you're this successful entrepreneur, you know, you're so talented, you're very extroverted, you're a very people person. And I think, gosh, it's okay to feel that way, but it's it's about changing the perception you have about yourself and thinking about how does the outside world actually view me and who am I? And I think, as you said, that goes on to the, the kind of more emotional intelligence and about knowing yourself and it, it does your confidence will improve over time you know from year one of being a healthcare professional student to to your fourth year you, you need to recognize what you've done and what you've achieved and what you've accomplished mm, mm, I think so well we we had the privilege of having uh, Doreen not only do um the video that you so there's a series of videos that you have edited to go alongside the book which um I think that you can get from Elsevier's one of Elsevier's mm-hmm. health health accounts and uh, we'll put the perhaps we'll put the link in there but also we reproduced a blog that Doreen wrote for Nursing Times and she said that really you have to put a name to how that is how you're feeling and to talk to others about that experience get some feedback and remember the time when you've succeeded so I have to do that all the time when because as a nurse entrepreneur I'm always outside my comfort zone mm-hmm. and I remember Ian Unit who I interviewed who it's no registered but it was it was a student he said you know you've got to expand your comfort zone and, mm-hmm. and in order to enlarge nothing ever it, good nothing <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say nothing good ever happens in that comfort zone. No change, no progress will be made. No, I, I'm constantly outside it. I'm constantly uncomfortable and I have to be <laughs> able to manage that discomfort. If you're going to do social yeah. innovation like I do, then then you have to get out yeah. get out and do it. Yeah. And then, you need to be comfortable with that being uncomfortable, don't you? Yeah, and you're allowed to fail as well. That's the, that's the other thing. I'm fortunate yeah. to come from the third sector in the sort of place where it's about experimenting and and 
you never get used to failure but you sort of tolerate it I would say and <laughs> use it as an opportunity to learn about mm-hmm. what doesn't work so so that sort of growth mindset that, yep. that's um uh, it's learning is an opportunity and mm-hmm. failure is also learning that sort of, that sort of thing yeah but but you also m- mentioned then managing yourself and understanding yourself yeah I talk a bit about that yeah so as a person I would like deem myself as an introvert and I always kind of thought you know I can't be a leader because a leader is somebody that's brave enough to stand up in front of people they're charismatic they're a people person you know they get the energy from others whereas my social battery after being in a crowd for about an hour is completely depleted so what I kind of did is, is I tried to understand myself um, and I did is it the 16 personalities test I think to kind of see what what kind of personality you are and I think you'd recommended another one as well another book but the name escapes me and kind of recognizing the positives from that so yes I might be an introvert but I've also got a creative mind I'm also good at organizing these are good leadership skills to have I'm also able to kind of listen because I am introverted and and pick up on keys that maybe some other people aren't able to do so I think it's it's going back to what you'd said about recognizing what you can bring to the table and just you know like I write them down occasionally and think you know these are good skills to have if if I was employing somebody I would want them to have those skills and then also being not mindful and saying well where do I need to improve my confidence and that could be for example public speaking when I'm completely out of my comfort zone and then using whatever tools you can to, to become better at that. Yeah, I think I talked in the book about a range of ways to understand yourself. And uh, there's the Clifton Strengths Finder. That's um, the one that I was talking is, about. <laughs> uh, yeah, because actually the evidence suggests, because we're both evidence-based practitioners, mm-hmm. is that it's uh, that um, to focus on you and you or your employer and your employer, uh, focusing on uh, your strengths and your skills rather than the approach that we tend to focus on which is perhaps ignoring the things that you're good at and focusing down on the mm-hmm. things you're not so good at mm-hmm. um and that that will help you there's the Myers-Briggs framework that that people know in terms of you know whether I'm, I'm an ENTJ yeah. but only just a J um <laughs> so how extrovert you are and how judgmental mm-hmm. you are and all that sort of thing understanding yourself so there are various tools to do that and the sort of classic text on emotional intelligence is the Goldman stuff, Daniel, yeah. Daniel Goldman. Mm-hmm. But there's some exercises in the book about being aware of how you behave. Mm-hmm. And I, I talk about my own behaviour, <laughs> <laughs> like being very defensive. Okay. <laughs> particularly defensive when criticized and I thought yeah well I thought that was I thought that was normal for people well apparently it isn't oh really <laughs> that, that comes as a shock I would say that that would be the kind of human nature is to become a bit self-protective over your you know when things people criticize you that's right um so I was working is in the book <laughs> I was working for a chief executive who'd who'd been to um a course it's called the top management program at the King's Fund it still runs now and he said Heather you really need to go on the top manager program which was built around 
emotional intelligence and Daniel Goleman's work. So understanding yourself and others in small groups and large groups, that really, really was an experience. And I saw a lot of that in the sort of 150 leaders stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I could see that very much, but, but sort of learning about, well, why do I feel defensive? And does the person have something else some something else to tell me about about myself what can I learn from this mm-hmm. um, and to be open to what people have to say yes it's painful but I stopped after that particular chief executive pointed that out to me and said you know you really need to understand your reactions understand your emotions practice more empathy get some feedback I remember a very senior person who shall remain nameless in the Department of Health who I was I was working with one time said, you know, Heather, you've got to learn to look people in the eye when you talk to them. Because yeah. I think so much, you know, I have 132 tabs open all, all at the same time <laughs> in my brain. And what I wasn't doing was looking at people in the eye. Oh. And I didn't know until he told me and it was a huge shock. Mm-hmm because people don't trust you when you don't when you don't look at them and yeah and it shows that you're kind of you're being present with that person and you're not thinking about the 132 tabs that you've got open doesn't it that's right in fact it reminded me a lot when I was interviewing you all as uh, students that I really really had to listen to Mm -hmm. to all of you and practicing that and Nancy Klein listening with fascination. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I so listened with fascination that you thought I was great. <laughs> now I'm writing a book. I'm not coaching you. <laughs> listening and asking questions, and um, yeah, and you thought, well, that's great coaching. And all I was doing was was uh, getting material for my book. And I thought, well, this is a reminder to me mm-hmm. how much I don't. Uh, listen to other people so yeah yeah so that I mean that's great that you've recognized that as an area for improvement and I think the more self-aware that we become and we know that the the kind of research says that nurses or health professionals that are self-aware provide better outcomes for patients so it is really key and being able to reflect on situations and and develop your reflection is also another good tool. I like the, the Driscoll method, the, the kind of what, so what, and now what. But I know people tend to use the Gibbs method. But, um, and it's just finding that method that, that works for you and helps you get the best from yourself. Yes, reflective practice. I, I practice reflective practice all of the time because <laughs> um, I have to because I'm in innovation so if you don't mm-hmm. do that you're you're, you're going to fail so um, do you do yeah, that formally do you write it down or do you do that just in your head I do do that just in my head and I do spend an inordinate amount of time reflecting on uh, on what I learned I came across two people at the same event that I attended which was a networking event who whose health beliefs were completely opposite Mm -hmm. and I was reflecting on how I responded to um, the person who believed that all of healthcare was not great and that he felt that he'd almost been assaulted by Mm -hmm. what he'd been through and to the extreme where um, he wouldn't submit to any healthcare and and um, uh, people came to his house to section him. They, they didn't manage mm-hmm. to section him. And now he's refusing his COVID vaccinations. He dis- dis- discharged himself with a 
with a drain in shortly after major surgery. Mm. And I had to almost physically stop myself from giving him advice about the dangers of everything that he was doing. Because I realized that I was doing exactly what everybody else had done and Mm -hmm. just driven him further away. Mm -hmm. And I sort of knew that what I really had to do was to listen to him. (laughs) And that's all I did. Listen to him and ask him how he was feeling. Mm -hmm. To build a relationship with me as a befriender, that that was my role because I I have a charity role as being a befriender. And to to restore any sort of faith, because he knew I was a health professional as well, that I didn't tell him what to do. And that was that was a major reflection for me as to whether mm-hmm. I thought I'd done it right and could build a relationship with him because he's he's in such a risky place, really. Yeah. And and did you? Were you able to? Um, so far so good. Because I think he's actually experiencing trauma. Okay. Um, from what happened to him because you go in for one thing and come out with another mm-hmm. and, yeah. um, that was what <laughs> happened to him and that had all that's also happened to me when I had major lung surgery I go in for one thing and come out with another so he had he identified me with, with me first as a peer so okay. I think nurses have many sides to them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Use whichever side of us yeah as, as a leader to to support the people that in in this case I was a peer leader and uh, you know the first guy who was into everything around identifying um prostate cancer in men in in mm-hmm. particular in black men he was talking about that and he was like the complete reverse of the other person and I was trying to work out how two friends could be so different yeah. and why one hadn't influenced the other and I'm still thinking about that even <laughs> though it was about a month ago yeah sometimes it's about balance it's about bringing balance to the situation yeah just just an amazing guy 